as we were looking to expand the breadth of our services, um, particularly, again, going back to that consumer of modest means. Uh, and so payments and fintech seem like a, a great opportunity to do that. Uh, we formed Central Payments uh, five years ago, just over five years ago, actually. And the whole notion of Central Payments was, you know, to offer innovative products that required a bank um, and to do it in a way that allowed us to partner with very technology-first organizations focused on customer experience. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Smaller financial institutions are finding a way to compete in a world of too-big-to-fail banks. The Central Bank of Kansas City is an interesting case study. The bank is one of a small number of FIs in the U.S. certified by the Treasury as a community development financial institution, serving people of modest means who may not have had the benefit of affordable and accessible financial products. A little over five years ago, the company launched Central Payments, a division that leads the bank's nationwide presence in the payments industry. Trent Sorby is the president of Central Payments and joins us on the podcast to talk about how his firm has been able to punch above its weight in issuing activities headquartered near Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Central Payments recently announced the creation of its Falls FinTech Accelerator, and Trent describes how the new program will continue to service the ecosystem Central Payments is building. We also discuss the company's new open API platform, CPX, and how that fits into all the moving pieces. Trent Sorby is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. But before we jump into the interview, I wanted to invite you to Tearsheet's latest event, the Embedded Conference. A big theme on this program and in our reporting has been about how financial services are showing up everywhere, in B2B software platforms, in retail, in transportation, and travel. The Embedded Conference brings together financial services, fintech, and vertical industries looking to create new financial products. We've got a great speaker lineup. Register today by going to our website and clicking on the Embedded Conference button at the top right of your screen. Here's my interview with Trent. I'm Trent Sorby. I'm the founder of Central Payments and the CEO and president here. Um, and I'm also the co-founder of Falls Fintech. So I think there's a lot to unpack, given you know the the, the conversation we had in pre you know in, in in our talk before the call. Can can you give us um, sort of an overview of organizationally central payments and sort of you know how you I guess the genesis story of how you guys came to be? Yeah, of course. You know, it's an interesting little story. Um, central payments was really born out of a vision at Central Bank of Kansas City um, down, of course, in Kansas City. Uh, our ownership and, and senior leadership um, there had, was looking for ways coming out of the recession period of, you know, 2008, 2009, you know, ways in which they can grow the bank, um, but to do it in a very unique way because Central Bank of Kansas City is a community development financial institution. And so, you know, that, that means a host of things, but really uh, it's I'd all like about to come back being, to that. Yeah. And, and discuss that yeah. more in depth, what that means. Sorry. Of course, of course, no, and, and definitely. But really, that was part of the impetus for starting central payments was that they were looking for ways to grow the bank coming out of the recession, serving the neighborhoods that we serve. You know, I always say, if unemployment in the Kansas City area was, I'll make the number up, 8% coming out of the recession, it was probably 50% in the neighborhoods that we serve, particularly in our, you know, where our home office is in Northeast KC. And so, the bank was really leadership was really looking for ways to grow the bank, but stay true to the mission and continue to serve um, the consumers we were serving. And you know, we always refer to our car, our customers as customers of modest means. And so, 
while we always had an option to build branches and, and plant them in affluent areas of the city, um, leadership, you know, I think rightly looked at ways in which we can expand into fintech and payments as a way to serve the customer, but to do it in a way that that, that was really the, the underlying growth strategy for the bank. So can we talk a little bit about what it means to be a CBKC? Is that the right uh, designation? No, sorry, I'm that's sorry. you guys. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, my bad. Central Bank, yeah, that's okay. Central Bank of Kansas City. Um, and of course, we're a certified community development financial institution. CDFI, that was the term I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so you uh, gave us, uh, how many of them are out there? Like, what you know, I guess a little bit more about that designation, why you guys chose it. And you gave us a little overview, but um, I'm curious more about that structure and whether that's something that you'd recommend to other, to other community banks. Yeah, it's a very unique business model. Uh, there's only about 133 CDFIs that are also banks. That number fluctuates a little bit. Last, last I knew the number was 133. There are a lot of CDFIs um, that are certified by the Treasury Department, but again, only about 135-ish or so um, that are banks. Um, among a whole lot of things that opens up for the bank, um, one of those is access to be able to issue new markets tax credits. And while that doesn't really have anything to do with payments, um, but what it does do is it allows CBKC to work with developers um, looking to build worthwhile projects in inner city, uh, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, um, where they see an opportunity for economic growth, um, but to do it in distressed neighborhoods. And so Central Bank of Kansas City is able to issue tax credits to those developers uh, and then um, also do some financing for those development projects in, you know, very worthwhile projects in very distressed areas. Very interesting structure. So, so let's talk about um, the team's background and, and, and how you guys are um, set up to, to go after that fintech business that you described initially. Yeah. And so, you know, the evolution coming out, you know, as a CDFI, um, the evolution into payments doesn't seem natural at first blush, but uh, for us, it, it felt very natural as we were looking to expand the breadth of our services, um, particularly, again, going back to that consumer of modest means. Uh, and so payments and fintech seemed like a, a great opportunity to do that. We formed Central Payments uh, five years ago, just over five years ago, actually. And the whole notion of Central Payments was, you know, to offer innovative products that required a bank um, and to do it in a way that allowed us to partner with very technology first organizations focused on customer experience, focused on uh really maximizing the experience customers have with whatever the devices that they use. And so, you know, coming out of, again, going back, coming out of that recession period, um, the bank was really looking at a way, where is growth going to come from? And so rather than build more expensive branches and try to build product and compete with large banks and now an emerging fintech sector, I think the bank rightfully said, let's focus on the infrastructure of payments. And we always joke, you know, kind of get down in the guts of payments. Mm -hmm. um, in the end, uh, it takes a bank to, uh, to offer insured deposits. It takes a bank to be a member in Visa MasterCard. It takes a bank in many cases to ultimately move ACHs and wires. It takes a bank to um, lawfully be involved in money movements um, in, in accordance with all of the AML and BSA rules. And so we really saw a role there uh, for the bank and for central payments to go out there and find that business. Um, let 
let the technology first companies focus on user experience uh, and, and really be their support mechanism. Their foundation is really what we, we talk about around here. Let them build a business on top of us. And then again, really let us become the experts and focus on the infrastructure uh, of the product. And, and just given that focus that the banks focus on the, on the consumer of modest means, are, are the fintech companies you're working with um, focused on that? Or, or do you work with sort of a general um, sort of fintech approach? In many cases, they are, but not exclusively. Mm -hmm. And okay. so our product, we work with about 15 fintechs um, that offer a variety of products. But then also uh, separate from the fintechs, we work with very established payments companies, you know, companies we've all heard of um, that are offering prepaid debit cards and remittance services um, and now, you know, new push payments. So it really it runs the gamut. We aren't exclusive to products that, you know, first and foremost are serving low and moderate income consumers, but we are drawn there. And, and the majority of our business uh, really is focused on, on that side. And so, you know, opportunities that come to us, um, we really are looking for ways to serve that particular consumer, but it's not exclusive. And, and we have great opportunities going with, uh, you know, programs that, uh, that, that don't have as their primary focus uh, serving that particular demographic. And I guess, Trent, over the past five years, have you seen more and more, I guess, at the startup, well, I guess both at startup and both at incumbent institutions, um, uh, an increased focus on servicing that specific customer of Modest Means? Yeah, I think, yeah, great question. Yes, we have. And I think that's largely because you're talking about such a large percentage of the population that just simply hasn't enjoyed um, the the benefits of doing business um, in a with a financial institution, whether it's because they didn't trust a financial institution, um, they didn't feel comfortable there, the products weren't able to reach them, the products couldn't be used in their neighborhoods, uh, and so we you know fintechs I think have and really you know really as a as a result of mobile. Uh, technology have allowed to penetrate that demographic in a way that brings really valuable, great products to the demographic via the mobile experience uh, and much less focused on the branch experience. And so I think naturally um, products that maybe not even in the beginning thought that they would be particularly um, LMI focused have seen great penetration with the LMI population. And, and that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're really drawn to. That's amazing. I don't know what your relationship with your customers are um, or with your partners. Are, can you give us like examples, hard examples of some of the companies you work with and how they're, how they're helping um, the LMI customer? Yeah, of course. We work with a company called uh, PayActive. PayActive is a, a well-established fintech company, well-known across the country, um, do, providing earned wage access products um, for consumers who find themselves, you know, sort of with, with wages accrued, you know, with, with money they've earned, and it's just not payday yet. And so PayActive is a great example of a company that works with us um, to deliver wages in the middle of a pay period um, so consumers have access to liquidity sources and don't need to go to high-cost sources of credit um, and really just accessing wages that they've earned. And it's not just, fin it's not just PayActive. We've got a number of companies that we work with involved in that space. Um, that, that we really think are very interesting because, again, going back to my original point, you know, the folks that find themselves in a liquidity crunch during a two-week period, in many cases, are those same consumers that we were serving out of our branches in inner city Kansas City. That's really interesting. And so in that, in that field, I guess, I mean, we, we, we've seen as well a tear sheet sort of, you know, 
a few of these different companies arise. Um, do you typically work, are these standalone companies? Or are these companies that work through an employer or a payroll company? I guess it could be both. Yeah, we've actually seen the model um, a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. Payroll companies coming direct to us, third-party companies that um, are working directly with the payroll company, third-party companies working directly with the employer. Um, it's an interesting. It's interesting to watch this space evolve. Um, so, you know, PayActive is a good example of companies that are working with employer, but you know, we also have companies that are working with payroll providers, which is an interesting way to sort of provide the same service, just attack it with, you know, with a different distribution strategy. Understood, and, and Central Payments is, is headquartered in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, is that correct? We are, uh, Sioux Falls, I, we- Can you know, talk about that geography and, and what that means for yeah, you and, and payments? Happy to. Yeah. Happy to do that because it's an interesting story. Uh, Sioux Falls, most people um, not living in the Midwest, you know, think of Sioux Falls and says, you know, that's really a mecca for outdoor recreation. I love to go pheasant hunting there. I love to go fishing in Sioux Falls. I don't necessarily love the winters there. Um, but Sioux Falls is really uh, the hub of payment card issuing in the U.S. It goes back to when City relocated to Sioux Falls in the mid-1980s. And out from City sprouted, really City incubated a whole um, banking payment card uh, ecosystem here. And so, you know, City here, Wells Fargo feels compelled to come here. Capital One is here. And then you have entrepreneurs who may have got their start in one of those large organizations that I'm going to go start my own payments business. At, in the 80s and the 90s, it was often around credit cards. Um, and then when prepaid cards started to um, emerge as a, as a great product for um, lots of different uses, Sioux Falls was already sitting on sort of the backbone of card issuing and so it was only natural that prepaid card issuers or prepaid card issuing started to really take hold here and so now we we look at it and say you know whether what started as prime credit as well as subprime moved into prepaid cards now we see fintech partnerships it's really that 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 same backbone that's supporting that and so sioux falls is a great place to do that and and we called it home because you know access to an you know a very a very talented pool of employees, um, folks that have been around payments a long time. It's probably, I always say it's one of the few places that if I'm recruiting for a mid-level manager with, you know, eight or nine years of AML BSA experience in payments, you know, Sioux Falls is one of the few places where I'll probably have three dozen resumes come in. And so um, we have access to an outstanding talent pool, a backbone, and a, you know, a really a, a local economic development and government um, that is very supportive of payments. So we look at Sioux Falls as a very strategic place to be, and uh, and most all of our staff are located here. We've got a few remote employees, but uh, but the whole payments division is really run out of Sioux Falls. So so it sounds like Sioux Falls obviously was a, was a great place to host this the the, the new inc accelerator that you guys launched. Um, obviously, you're there anyway. But the point is, like, it, it just sounds like a very rich environment. Can you talk about um, the thought process between behind launching an accelerator. Tell us a little bit about how this accelerator is structured um, and what the, yeah. how that fits into sort of your, your overall strategy. Sure. It, it, you know, I think for those that may not um, know us very well, it may look like sort of a reactionary knee-jerk um, project, but we think it's very, very strategic. Uh, we look at false fintech, and one of the reasons why we created false fintech, it's actually, I'll give you a little background on what kind of brought false fintech around. We are constantly talking with really interesting entrepreneurs 
who have an amazing product idea, but it just feels a little early for them to, uh, they haven't raised enough money yet. Um, they have a great product. And so they're, it's just a little premature for them to come with, you know, come on board with us, partner with us, you know, go out there and sign on very expensive capital intensive services like card processing and ID verification and, you know, all card manufacturing and all those very capital intensive things. And so we were trying to figure out a way, you know, how could we look at those great projects, bring them along, you know, projects that we always say are at the, their, their biggest challenge now is the last mile challenge, you know, that, that they've raised a little money, the product has, has begun to take shape, um, but they're looking at, you know, a couple million dollars now in spend and burn um, just to try to get to market. And, you know, being in the payments ecosystem and working with all of the companies that fintechs need to have access to, we looked at a way, how, how can we help them accelerate that last mile challenge, do it with a team of experts, um, and, and really bring that product to life much earlier and at much lower cost than what they would have done had they gone on it, you know, alone. And so, False FinTech for us was a very natural extension of our business development strategy of finding really interesting products and services, um, putting them on top of our payments ecosystem or our payments uh, backbone, if you will, and then and then bring them to life. But but frankly, to try to do it earlier in the process um, and then help them, you know, the sooner they come to market, the, the easier it is to, be, to raise the next round. Uh, and so I think it's really mutually beneficial. And so False Fintech for us, um, super strategic to our mission. Um, and, and frankly, going back to the, con the conversation around Sioux Falls, uh, a great opportunity um, to expose entrepreneurs to what, what has been called the number one entrepreneur city in the country. So uh, we, we think it works for, for everybody involved. That, that makes a ton of sense for everybody involved. But um, what, what does the delivery mechanism look like? What, what, what is the, like, is it in-house? Like, can you just talk about how and in what capacity you provide those services to, to startups that enter the accelerator? Absolutely. It's a 10-week uh, accelerator. Uh, we'll run two cohorts per year. The first cohort is scheduled for March of 2020. Um, we are trying to be sensitive. Um, South Dakota in the middle of January can yeah, be a little tough say. on yeah. somebody from California, for example. Um, so we said, you know, let's start it. Uh, let's start it in March, where there's still a pretty good chance you're going to see all four seasons. Um, but uh, it's a 10-week accelerator. Uh, it is mostly on-site, but we did put in some custom um, some custom curriculum where entrepreneurs could do it remotely if they wanted to sort of split it up um, and not be here for a constant 10-week period. And so I believe there are three weeks in the 10-week period um, that can be accommodated remote if, uh, if folks want to go back and, and see family or friends. Uh, so we think that was a really good combination versus insisting that they be on site. And we, we joke around here a little bit, we're better to really be focused on a product build and really be heads down, cranking on product, you know, and, and then Sioux Falls where you'll never be distracted by the beach um, or, you know, uh, whatever you like to do outside in warm, wonderful weather. You know, it's really for us allowing people to come down in, or to, come, to be here and just be focused. And, and how do you plan, Trent, to get to let those entrepreneurs get the best of central payments, like knowledge base and people like what does what the interface look like there? Yeah. And this has been really the, the most exciting part of this project. 
our norm, our business today allows us to interact with dozens and dozens and dozens of companies involved in various aspects of the payments eco ecosystem, processing, card fulfillment, ID verification, um, technology, security, um, mobile applications. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so not only do will cohort participants have access to my staff who you know, incredibly experienced staff. I, we don't have uh, a manager with less than 10 years of experience in payments. And so not only would they have access to our staff, but we're bringing in companies we work with really best in class solutions um, and best in class providers. And so, you know, cohort participants will have an opportunity to interact directly with the networks, directly with the best processors we believe in the space. Um, and so to get that sort of face time, to get that exposure uh, is pretty rare for a company that, you know, maybe has raised a million dollars or $2 million or something like that. And those, those partners that we work with, they've jumped on board in a big way because they see the same value we do. How can we identify really interesting products that we think have great potential earlier in their life cycle. Uh, and so, you know, you, we announced that MasterCard was one of our founding sponsors and, and MasterCard's a great example of a partner of ours that we have an excellent relationship with who's come to the table and said, yeah, we want to work with you on this. We want, we want to bring the resources and the expertise of MasterCard behind false fintech. And, you know, we're going to announce just ahead of money 2020 more of those founding partnerships that are, top of mind providers that that want to be involved and, and really see a chance to adopt the cohort participants um, and really bring them in uh, and, and give them every tool and resource that's imaginable. You know, we say around here, um, it's seven, seven, 70 days and 70 mentors. And so seven days in the cohort and access to 70 mentors. It doesn't mean we're going to put 70 people through the cohort, but every cohort participant is going to be able to identify um, particular aspects of their business that they feel they're most in need of development on. And then we're going to come back to them and say, okay, A, we've got a week focused on that topic. B, here's five, six, or seven industry leading folks in that area that you've identified as being an area of possible improvement, call on them. They know you might be calling. They're at your disposal um, to really brain drain um, and really have, give you an opportunity to ask the questions that of people that you may never have access to. So, you know, 70 days, 70 partners or 70 mentors um, is really be catching on. That's a great tagline. In the, in the remaining time that we have, we have time for one last question. Um, I know in, in the in the news about the launch of the fin Falls FinTech Accelerator, you also announced the release of the CPX Open API platform. Can you tell listeners what that is and, and what you intend to do with that? Absolutely. We, we recognized from the FinTechs we've worked with over the last five years, um, they've showed us so many ways in which we be can become a more embedded strategic partner of theirs. And one of those ways is, is simply connectivity. And so when CPX was really built out of the idea of letting us come to the marketplace, bring all of those top of mind providers that I mentioned, networks, processors, card fulfillment providers, ID verification services, surcharge free ATMs, bring them along and allow partners to effectively bolt into us and get access to all of those providers. The interest and, and to do it at a much lower price point because they get the benefit of our global 
business that we're doing with those partners. And so to come in through CPX to get access to be able to offer a DDA or a debit card or a prepaid card um, is a great opportunity for the fintech. It makes them, you know, makes makes us to be a very valuable partner to their to them. Uh, and then we think it's you know very strategic for us in terms of you know trying to make sure we have what's attractive um, to to our primary segment of business, which is emerging fintech partners. And so CPX um, really uh, has been, uh, it, it, was, it was sort of coincidental that it came out at the same time as Falls Fintech. We've been working on both projects and we realized that, hey, these are going to come to life at about the same time. And, and they are very complementary to one another because we want cohort participants, when we bring their product to life, we want them to use CPX. Um, and so it, it's really worked out really well to be able to announce these two really exciting projects together. Yeah. I, you well, guys have, you guys have a lot of balls in there. Yeah, I no, know. it is. It is a lot of balls in there. One, one thing I will add uh, also around CPX, we thought it was really important is not to confine the user of CPX to one provider of that particular service. And so you'll see multiple processing options. You'll see multiple card fulfillment options. You'll see multiple ID verification services. So, Oftentimes, I think in open API structures, you know, it's it's very open and it works it works great and it's easy to connect into. But you don't have a lot of choice in those backend services. And so we think by allowing the issuing bank and the bank partner to be the provider of the open API platform, then we can bring in some elements of choice on the on the behind the scenes providers that are really really crucial and where the fintech may have a particular affinity um, over one over another. Trent, thank you for joining us on the Cherry Sheet Podcast. It was great learning about sort of the ecosystem that you guys are building, and we look forward to hearing some of those announcements that you have around Money 2020 as well. Thank you, Zach. Great fan of Ter- a big fan of Tear Sheet. <laughs>